0: Welcome back. Uh, by the way, we're recording several of these at a time. So if you're watching and you wonder if this is the only clothes we, wear, we own, yes, we're poor. <laughs> Donate to the church. No, it's, it's just we don't always bring changes of costume. All right. Uh, we do this because Dr. Hunter has another job. Uh, we would like to help him do more of this. Um, so thank you for the gifts that you do send us. Um, and remember to look for a channel a YouTube channel that will also be on Vimeo uh, that we are going to set up for Dr. Hunter to say his own thing, to to speak his own messages, but they'll be linked in with us and on the podcast and all the others. So look for that. Um, This is for August the 9th, and we are starting Mark 1 and verse 16, unless you wanted to do a callback to any.
1: Okay. I'm good. I think we're good.
0: All right. Um. I'll start reading, I guess. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in a boat with the hired men and followed him couple things just, and they're not huge, but I think they need to be said. One, when, when I was growing up, I was told these men left their businesses. You know, they, they impoverished themselves basically to follow Jesus. No, we're going to find them back on these boats later. The boat stayed in the family. You know, they, the business, working for a living is an honorable thing, and people were still working on it. But the big thing here, I always thought it was miraculous. Jesus just walking along a marina, you know, and he goes, right. You, 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 and you come and follow me. Well, that's terribly unrealistic. And it's not really what it's saying. Jesus grew up with some of these guys. Jesus was around 30, I think is what Luke puts it. He Mm -hmm. says about 30. So he had formed relationships with these people in my life. I found out the gospel is not automatic. You can't just say this and that person's here, they're ready. You have to form relationships with people. And then when it's time, they will follow you as they follow Jesus. But um, again, this just shows us that Jesus was a real person who knew real people who had formed relationships and they already knew just like the, the um, teachers of the law when Jesus was 12 in okay. the temple. They already knew there was something very special about Jesus. So when he... Begins his life as a rabbi and calls them, they're ready to go. So, again, it may have taken him 20 years to get to that point. Well, probably not that long. Be patient with others. My general rule is be as patient with others as you want God to be patient with you. You know, it, mm-hmm. like bread on the water, it'll come back. I don't know any big theological principles here, but is there an insight that you're thinking of? Or you?
1: um, nothing other than. Um when we read this, we may skip over one of the most important uh, observations of it as to why Protestant Christianity moved in the track that it did, um, because you're picking Mm -hmm. up now, um, whereas in in Judaism which Christianity came out of with Christ, I understand it, they're born into a a network that's moving. They're born into Mm -hmm. a blessing. They're born into a national blessing. Here, you start getting this thing of uh, evangelizing, even, you know, this thing of, of, you know, let me, I'm getting you and I'm going to send you. And so you're starting to move away from that nationalism of um, religion. It, which is extremely important even as we're sitting here broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, the south part of the United States. Uh, um, Christianity in this part of the country has had a, a strong toll hold and a concept of nationalism. Yep. You, you, you know, uh, um, we're specifically chosen by God and blessed by Him to tell you all how we're his blessing, and we're the ones that bless you, as opposed to, we see him now saying, okay, you're going to go um, take this message, and this message supersedes anything else that's important in your life. Not that you quit your job, or not that you do any of that, but that uh, um, this becomes a priority in your movement of life. So when you get into the movement of Christianity and Christianity in life, then sharing becomes just something that's naturally um, a part of what you're doing, and I, so I'm not suggesting that anybody has to go quit job, go to school, you know, or learn how to take a Fishers of Men program in in event because you don't. All you have to do is tell them about the Jesus that you serve. That in whatever in whatever way it comes out in that particular discussion that you need, that's all you need because Christ. Is the one that's going to do the rest in the heart of the person he just needs the introduction and somebody that says let me let me tell you what what happened for me and so you start picking that up literally right here um he starts showing how important this is and especially to a non-jewish group of people he was orienting this thing too and, and as i talked to non just i i'm i'm not trying to diminish one over the other i'm just showing right. how this how this christian thing moves away from its, its, where it started in its roots and how it grows to the way the world is growing and how it's going to continue to open up. And with preaching and teaching, like mm-hmm. you're getting on this channel and stuff like that, you're, starting, you're free now to allow God to grow his church up the way he wants to move it through You, you right. know, and let it do that.
0: Well, that's very true. Um, you, you do not see Jews sending out missionaries, even to this day, uh, to try to make more Jews. It's more of a this we we are the people and we're born there. There are some Christian religions also that uh, eschew all evangelism. I'm thinking like the the Eastern Orthodox churches Mm -hmm. where they actually follow the movement of their government. And when the government takes a territory, they move into it and build a church and call people to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not a uh, evangelism comes from a a, a Greek. I know this one. Spreading the good news, the evangel. You're you're spreading the good news, and so this is a, a radical departure. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, it parallels what the Romans did, whenever they would look upon their emperor as Lord and God, then they would shove out heralds that would put that on sticks and you know primitive billboards we'd call them or carve them on stones to spread the news of who is your your God right now, your emperor, your king. Jesus did a lot of that parallel, and that's what disrupted things. You know, they did not like that there was competition for the title Lord and the title God. And so um, the first disciples go out. We're going to really hit a very interesting story now. If you'd like to to take that one, driving out of an impure spirit.
1: Okay, we're picking up at verse number 21. Right. Then they came into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God." But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commanded even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee.
0: Um, what a what a cool story! Um, there's so many ab- absolutely wonderful aspects. First of all, if you're new to church faith and alike, the word synagogue means uh, the same basically as congregation. The Jewish people had this as kind of a stopgap between the end of the old law mm-hmm. and the coming of Christ. The gatherings in the community, and so they're called synagogues. It's a church word. It just means the gathering, the congregation. If you go to church, some of you have been hurt by churches. If you go to church, please be aware that even when Jesus went to church, he found that sometimes demons had beat him there. Do not be surprised if you enter a church and you find faulty, sinful people. That's where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to go to Jesus. Uh, But as Jesus walks in, a demon spots him. (laughs) and recognizes him and the demon panics now think about this in our movies and in our books Mm -hmm. we're supposed to panic at the sight of a demon we're supposed to run around and we're now in grave danger and we've got to say these things a whole bunch of times maybe hold up a crucifix get some holy water we gotta you know all of these rites that we have to go through and call for protection wait a minute when jesus walks into a room it's the demons that are afraid. So I believe in demons, and I believe that they can harm us, but I'm not afraid of them because we've got Jesus. And Jesus's mere appearance terrifies this demon. And then I like his response. The, um, the version you read said rebuked him. NIV says, "Be quiet," said Jesus sternly. Now, I've had my mother tell me to be quiet a few times in church <laughs> sternly.
1: <laughs>
0: Come out of him. Uh-huh. I really believe that an English cognate here would be "shut up and get out." I, this, there was no exorcism. There was nothing drawn out here. Jesus just said, "Just hush, go," and he does. Shook the man violently, but he does. So I'm going to stop there because I've thrown out a couple of things, but I know you've got more. To me, there's humor here. There's pathos. You got to feel sorry for the guy. But there's also humor in it because of how quickly Jesus does this mm-hmm. and the panic of the demon. And also the looks on the faces of everybody else in that congregation had to have been, what? In fact, they even say, well, this is not like our old church. What's, this, there's a new teaching here. Fill me in. Uh, anything you, you see here?
1: The, the, the thing that, that, that really resonates with me and I hold on to is the fact that when they heard Jesus talking and then, but more specifically or as specifically, they, they looked at his acknowledgement of a demon-possessed person and told the demon to be quiet, be muzzled, be muzzled, and 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 then everything toned down to the point that they said we've not seen this before anywhere, uh, uh, and they were amazed at God, letting us know that that His power, it, it's all about it's all about what Christ is doing in us and moving us. And they were, uh, and they 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 jumped on board with it. They they were understanding he's he's different. Um, and so our mission today is to make sure that Christ stays in front of us, and that we don't ever start feeling ourselves to the point where we start standing in front of Christ. Um, that
0: could be a Sons of Skiva moment, uh, where they they said in the name of the. The the God that Peter and Paul talk about, and they'd gotten ahead of Christ, mm-hmm. and the demon ended up leaving them beaten up and naked in the street. the streets. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, i I do love this. I love this story so much. Um, I love the terror. You know, have you come to destroy us? So that tells us right now, demons are not omnis- omniscient. They don't know all things. They're not everywhere. They're not omnipresent. Um, Zoroastrianism and, and several other religions are dualistic. They say that there's a battle between good and evil, and that it's a it's a well matched battle, and therefore that struggle is eternal. Christianity says God is so far above demons that it's not a it's not a contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to win. The co- only question is, are you going to be on his team?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um, so I I like to bring that up because later Paul will tell Timothy, you know, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Fear. So fear is just not part of what we are. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, In in Ephesians, you know, when, you know, when Paul says we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers. Um, every every time the word but, we're fighting not against flesh and blood, but against. Every one of those buts is a, is a different grouping or level of the attack of the enemy, mm-hmm. which means that that Satan, in his attack on our life, his attack on our communities, his attack on a nation, um, is, is very structured in however that works out. He's very structured, which means... We can never take what Satan is doing in this world for granted, or minimize it. I mean, we see crazy stuff every pretty day. much every day, yeah. and you see things that go on, and you shake your head and wonder what in the world is going on, and and you say, "Oh, this stuff," um, and then we go on about our day because we have become desensitized to it because it's everywhere. It's literally everywhere, mm-hmm. and 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 Satan. Is a powerful resource. A powerful resource. He, He's he's got this thing worked out to get to us. But what you said is ultimately the power of it. He's not omniscient. You, you know, right. he's not uh, omnipotent. He does not have that. Uh, um, God has it, and He knows it. Which means that as we're going to start seeing as we move forward, that now Satan has to trip you up or trick you up. <laughs> <laughs> In order to get you off your point, to get you off your, mm-hmm. your stand with God, He's He's got to work with you. Uh, um, you know, Patrick, I really think that most people think when Satan starts because normally when he when he initially comes, he's he's bringing treats, he's bringing stuff you want, and people start thinking that they're all that in a bag of chips too. That I'm really <laughs> a good person. I've got this. I'm good. I'm you know I'm being I'm a good person as well. That you know only to get set up to, you know, to, to fail because Satan is going to bring that in because he wants you. He wants something. And, uh, and as one person said, you know, that, that Satan doesn't want you, doesn't even like you. Matter of fact, he wouldn't even mess with you unless if he, if he could get to God, if he could get to Christ without messing with you, he wouldn't even fool with you, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he would kick you to the curb so hard that, that you know, that your teeth would still be rattling, you, you know, a year from now. He said. But the only reason is that he tried to get to Christ, could not break him down, and so what's the next best alternative? Is to get his children, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and if he he needs you to get to him, you know, and. And so we start looking at stuff he brings and start thinking we're doing something instead of realizing, let me use this to the glory of God. If, if, if Satan is using it to trip me up, I'm going to turn around and give it back to God. I'm going to turn around and make it a blessing of what God wants, wants to do. And that's part of our journey of depending on Christ, his love and grace, and not a passage of scripture that says I'm doing this thing one thing right. I'm taking this communion right, right. Mm-hmm. you know, or I am thinking about what a woman can do in the church right, or I'm thinking, or, or I'm doing this thing on a Sunday which I have to do on a Sunday, and I'm doing it right, and I'm doing it better than you. And, and it's all—it's not about that. It's about what Christ is doing in you, in in your your life, you know, right. and uh, and that's what's. When this demon started crying, that's "Will he rise? You know what? He's going to expose me. That's that's literally why he started crying. He's going to expose me. And um, and so when we start looking at ourselves and you know start thinking some of the stuff we did, you know, I really wish that had not happened. I really wish I did not do that. I'm sorry for doing that. When we start going back, you know what? I need to go and tell so and so I'm sorry. Or either I need to stand up and say I'm the one that started all that mess. I'm sorry. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Tell me what I need to do to fix this thing, and I'll do it. It, it wasn't him. It wasn't her. It was me. Mm-hmm. You know? Can you imagine how far down the road yeah. this gets? You know, the goal of Christ.
0: Yep. And one thing you're saying, and I don't know how much we want to go into this because this could go on for quite some time. Uh, the The Old Testament doesn't talk about the devil a lot. You know, it he shows up in Job as mm-hmm one of God's employees, mm-hmm. basically. But that's a real stark difference from other ancient literature, which is just full of evil spirits. After the Israelites were in Babylonian captivity, I believe that they have they got pictures and ideas to go with the thing they knew in their head. They knew evil was out there. They knew there were some personifications of evil, but now they got some language for it. And by the time we get to Jesus, we have wandering groups of exorcist Jewish people. Um, remember what Jesus said, if I throw out demons by the power of Beelzebub, what power are your sons using to throw them out? Showing that their sons, they knew that their people had groups that went around throwing out demons. But that was usually a long-term process involving prayer and fasting. And, mm-hmm. and so this being shows there's a, there's a new sheriff in town. Mm-hmm. Right? There's, uh, and, and he's not going to be afraid. Um, and I like it that they're going, a new teaching with authority. That's not the only time they're going to notice he speaks with authority. Um, well, we can go to the next one. The next bit um, has a little mention of demons as well. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town, again hyperbole, gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Um... When I was a boy it always threw me because he w- he'll do a miracle and he'll say, don't tell anybody who did this. It's like, well, aren't we supposed to be evangelists now? Let's get Jesus's name out there. Jesus knew how dangerous it was to be good in an evil age. He needed his three years, give or take, ministry to get these men ready and these people ready for the Holy Spirit to come down he would have been killed a lot faster. Mm-hmm. I think if people, I, in fact, they tried to kill him when he was a baby. You know, king Herod did. Mm-hmm. So also, whenever you tell a lot of people, as we said, the crowd gathers. And they're not looking right. for a king, they're looking for a healing. They're looking for bread. And a king is a different, different thing. Um, by the way, fevers... Killed people all the time and they still do uh, in places where there are no antibiotics. There's no uh, system of hygiene and waste disposal. The Jews were way ahead on that because of Leviticus and elsewhere. But they also had to work within Roman systems. Uh, And so you have um, Galen, one of the first physicians to put all this stuff down And, and you look at it and Some of it makes sense, and some of it you're thinking, that'll kill a sick person. Um, Jesus immediately responded, and I like that. They immediately, in in, in this version, they immediately told Jesus about her. In other versions, it'll say, when they told him about her, he immediately went to her. And I gotta confess, I like that phrasing more because you see Jesus immediately responding. And I always kid, if, if you ever wonder if God really loves you, look here, he immediately went, took care of a mother-in-law. If he'll take care of a mother-in-law. <laughs> now, I, I have a wonderful mother-in-law, and sometimes she watches. So, Martha, you're a good lady. Um, but I also like the last phrase, and it reminds me, this and the other one, of Daniel in the lion's den. Because as soon as Daniel entered, it wasn't the lion's den anymore. It was Daniel's den. They couldn't open their mouths. When Jesus comes in, he doesn't even have to say it; he can shut them up.
1: That mm-hmm. this is um, your observation, that the the point is just, just spot on, and also what it sets up is is his healing of his of Peter's mother-in-law is strategically important because as he gets. Down toward the end of his time on earth, right before his his crucifixion, um, he's not healing anybody physically anymore. Uh, yeah. uh-uh. So by the time he gets down there, as you read through the gospels, you see when he gets down there, nobody's getting healed anymore because somebody m- makes the statement. Can't you do this yeah. like you did before? Can't, you know, can't yeah. he heal himself? And, and, and this is a, important for, for us that are coming into faith is to realizing that, that faith in Christ isn't a, a, a get out of the problems and issues of the world free, free card. Yeah. It's a way of managing it and moving it so that you're constantly giving the glory to God. But at the same time, your life, is at its best in the flesh that it's going to be and can be uh, um, something that that you had that you, you had mentioned that um, because of the Jewish laws around food and everything like that, they were light years ahead they of the were. countries around there in in health, yes. you know, in in physiology, bio, biology, the way all that works, and I'm not suggesting that that's. God, that's something that God necessarily wanted to do with them and not with others, but because they were following me, he said, I don't want you to eat this over here. I want you to eat this. I want you to do this. It shows up in their health. Mm-hmm. And and the same is true with his word that works in, uh, inside of us. As we move forward, that starts showing up in who we are, how we move, where we are. It um, We're going to have... All of us are born with certain proclivities and just certain, we're, we're born individually, and thank God we are. And not everybody is the carbon copy of each other because this this would be a bland world. That would be nothing to it. And so we're different. And, and some of those things will challenge us. We get better at managing them in our lives, but they're still there. And so, what you don't want to do as a person that loves the Lord is beat yourself up over the fact that. I can't get, seem to get as far down the road as I can with this correction in my life. You're working on it. You're moving toward it. You're living on the level where you want to be. Keep doing Keep doing that. And understand God is with you on that. And not only is he with you but he is invested in you. Um, he feels your, our pain. He feels your particular challenge. this. But he's walking with you. But he keeps it there to remind you that this, this world that we're experiencing right now, right now isn't heaven. I'm taking you somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. And so go ahead and fill this thorn in the flesh, but just lean on me. right. Know? My
0: grace is enough for you. Yeah. I got you covered. Um, the giving this law to the Jews, I think another thing we need to bring up when people say, well, why didn't he give it to everybody? Well, there was no mechanism to do that. Uh, you would have had to have gotten Abraham and Moses and every single tribe on the planet think of the confusion there, but also God's big intention for our lives is not that we don't get sick and don't die. Everybody he ever healed died later. He healed them to show who he was so we can trust him. But he did give this law to the Jews because he needed them to survive long enough to at the right time bring forth the Messiah. Um, And and by the way, one of the great mysteries of history is why do we still have Jews? I mean, we're all happy about it. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. We're all thrilled about it. But where are the Phoenicians? Where are the Philistines? You know, where are the Jebusites? They're all gone. But the Jews survived. And when you look at how, you can go one of two ways or both. They must have had a God watching out over them. Or they must have had rules of hygiene, purity and diet, or they had a God that gave them the rules of hygiene and diet. And that, of course, is what I believe. Um, But it's um, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I forget who read last. I think it's your turn, isn't it?
1: Okay. We're picking up at verse 35. Now in the morning, Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also, because, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, And casting out demons.
0: Um, There's another Mark. um, There's another Mark. There's another indication in Mark. That a particularly strong personality. Wrote the book. And if Mark is writing down. The stories of of Peter. It does make sense. We get a lot of Simon in this book. But. I've asked people in in the past. This seems an aside. So I won't do much with it. Look at mark at the number of times they had to find him and a number of times he said let's go somewhere else be nice to your ministers and your spiritual leaders many of them are introverts and doing their job is tough on them because they'd rather live inside their head and do the work read the books you know paul said make it your ambition to live a quiet life i don't even have a shot at that i'm an introvert and people don't believe it because when they see me i'm talking i keep saying if i'm talking i'm working <laughs> when i'm not working i stop talking <laughs> but this idea of um yeah everybody's looking for you and Jesus' response goes well we're out of here i i get that uh, whenever i travel around for these welcome home tours people will say how do you keep up this schedule and my response is because there are hours and hours and hours in between. And I can stop, rest, read, recoup. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but he does go and preach. And runs into something pretty interesting. But I don't want to rush ahead. If you've got something you, you want to say about that.
1: The, I, I don't want to run past the importance of what you, you said for the lives of, of the people that are listening in. And that is that that in the physical, Jesus was tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he he was, oriented. as a matter of fact, in Mark, I think once or twice we're going to pick up the language, Jesus sighed, mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah. point, which is um, uh, kind of an anthropomorphism, attaching to Jesus something that humans do, but he also really did it. Mm-hmm. and um, And that's key to to understand the quality of life that God wants for us is a, is a fact that even here, being Jesus, being spirit and in the flesh at the same time, he grew tired. And, um, and this journey is, is gonna wear us yeah. down. And, and the more time that we can spend in relational, Getting away uh, um, with people who love us that we have to, to just be able to hang out or enjoy God's beauty or whatever God is, is doing is critically important to our physical health and our spiritual health. And more than not, uh, in our society and around the globe, we're being pushed to work harder, longer, both and I'm yep. I'm I'm not I'm not taking this down a path of nobody working. I'm not trying to go gotcha. there if, yeah. if we do it. That's not. But but that 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 is taking its toll, mm-hmm. a lot on what we're seeing go on around right. us because people are not able to decompress. They're not able to get off enough, and um, and Jesus shows us that he did it. He went to a solitary place, yeah. and and it's going to come up again. And again, he told the disciples, come on, guys, you know, yeah. let, let, let's, you know, let's break camp. Let's, let's go out and get away because we need that to get our, our mind and our focus and our spirit set back on, you know, on, on God, what he's doing and then let God minister to us. Um, if you've been serving God, if you've been doing whatever you're doing, you don't have to be preaching. to you. you could be serving a meal to someone. You could be driving to check on someone, whatever it is. You could be tolerating somebody that's coming at you yeah. and is taking everything. Uh, um, don't forget you need to spend some time allowing God to minister pour back in. Can I use that? Is that a better yep, phrase? Yes, to pour back into you. Um, Ephesians uh, be filled with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Be filled. Be filled with the Spirit is what the English "be filled with Spirit." It better reads "be being kept filled." Be being kept filled. So if we look at it like I was filled, you know, and then God went off to do another work, we oh, missed you. it. God is pouring into us because we got to deal with something at at twelve o'clock that we don't yet know is on our plate. You know, we're going to a situation that we think we're doing this, it's going to be something else. And so he's pouring into you, let God pour into you and that healing, let him pour into your family, let him pour into your relationship, wherever it is. This is critically important because it, because he's, and he's showing his apostles that, that you're going to need to do this. And a couple of times he had to just about physically saying, let's get out of here now, guys, because this is tough. And you brought the preachers, they have a particular, my dad was a uh, uh, pastor, preacher, and um, and as he moved into his ministry later on, he was constantly looking back. You know what? We got this motor home out here. Why don't you just take it and go wherever? Go. And, and then it, then it became, here's the keys. Go. Then it became, I'm giving it to you. Go. <laughs> you, you know, you, you you need to to do this. And as I moved along in the ministry, I realized the wisdom of that then because that's something he had to learn, just you know, and we need to and we pour that into the congregations. They need to pour it into the into they their do. minister. And um, and then together we get to where we want to, because that's part of the healing, you know, that that God is putting into us to deal with the things so we don't snap. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, off or pop off <laughs> like sometimes we do, because sometimes we just get near that edge, you know, yeah. and we forgot that, you know, I need to, to go. I, I like riding horses. You know, wow. And so when I, you, you know, when I feel that edge coming on, I'm looking, you know, for a stable to, to go to go ride. Well, so, I, cool. so this can I can forget all of this, <laughs> you know, for a while, because when I get on a horse, all this goes away. You, you know this literally goes away while i'm doing it, and then when I come back, okay now I, okay, let's do that um uh, in different ways, and he brings us on.
0: well i I love it um in, in and again, let this be an uh, an admonition, not an admonishment but an admonition. remember that the twenty third psalm he makes me lie down beside Still waters, he makes you stop and in the King James, when there's an f Maketh, it means the verb there is a continual action, like the pouring into pouring. us. So God continually makes us slow down and stop. He, there was the Sabbath. you know. He made them do that. And then I think of, um, you were talking about the way we've allowed work to consume our lives. When it, we can't get away from it anymore because we have phones. <laughs> and it follows us. And bosses will text you when you're on vacation and you have to keep a job. And I, I understand this. And therefore, we have to work hard at finding our Sabbath. And I, I, I think it's cool you ride horses. Uh, I've ridden horses a couple times. I'm not sure they like me, but I've, I've ridden <laughs> horses a couple times. To me, it's playing guitar quietly in a room uh, or reading. I just, and I don't, don't always read work stuff, but I love work stuff. Just reading a mystery, a thriller, a history book—you know—letting um, my mind disengage and allow something to pour in. You know, uh, thank you for bringing that up because I wouldn't have done that. That's great. You had a really short reading. Did you want to do more? Do you want me to do? Uh, we've got—we've uh, got a little bit of time. We can do this
1: story. Okay, uh, um, picking up at um, verse 40. Yes. Right. Now a leper came to him, imploring him kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction.
0: Man, there's a lot here. Uh, First of all, I want to do textual variants verse 41 uh, when the man comes up to jesus and said if you're willing you can make me uh, clean in the uh the manuscripts used by the king james and the new king james it said jesus then being filled with compassion the majority of manuscripts and some of our oldest manuscripts say jesus was indignant what a difference mm-hmm. so You might, and and if you're asking me which one's the true one, I can't tell you that. What I can tell you is that's why if you have a Bible app, read something in the different version every now and then. See what pops up. And if it's something like this, you can go and look. I don't know that the manuscript evidence is enough for us to to crown a winner on this variant. I will tell you, I like the indignant because it's a word that never shows up again, referring to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I wonder if it did not come out of Peter's mouth. Because Peter, I can see being indignant. Um, But Then again, I've got no proof to it. Um, Of course, that's not the most important part. The most important part is Jesus reached over and touched him, Mm -hmm. which you were not allowed to do. Jesus was a rule breaker, why? Because love trumps law every single time in Jesus' life and teaching. Love trumps law. The man needed to be touched. As a leper, he couldn't be touched. He was driven out, away from people. And people could do it with the full backing of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And Jesus, however, sees this man needs touched. So he touched him before he cleansed him now that's the neat thing because if he cleansed him and touched him, this would have been of no importance no importance so i I've, I've talked about the variant and I've talked about that. I probably should stop talking <laughs> no, no.
1: Yeah, th- th- this is um, God just as powerful as you may to be Jesus um when that language comes across that, that Jesus touched him, mark is not just letting us know that Jesus did a physical act. He's letting us know that Jesus entered into his pain, entered into his suffering because other people would not touch a leper. They were outcasts. They were put in leper colonies. They were kept intentionally away. Um, As a matter of fact, they had to wear black. And if they came... I don't know, is it like 50 feet or something? If, if they, when they came within a certain distance of, of uh, healthy people, they had to start yelling out, unclean, yep. unclean, and we're right. And, and so when the, um, when the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, when they were doing what they were doing, the lepers were still out there in their leprosy, in their pain, with no hope of anything ever happening. They were going to be there until yep. they died. When Jesus came, why are Basically, they're saying, why, why are they still out there? Mm-hmm. And of course, he, he's not saying it as you all are not getting it. I mean, later on, he'll say it. You are a little slow, you know, okay. and coming around where I'm trying to go so they'll pick up the pace. But here it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't that. It wasn't just was going. He, he, he did it specifically to let them know that there's a shift coming in the universe mm-hmm there's a there's a rift coming in the sky there's a tear that's getting ready that's getting ready to happen and i'm bringing it in because i'm entering into your pain i'm letting you know that you're not there alone i'm going to take your defilement on me mm-hmm. that's going to cleanse you but it's going to allow me to absorb that defilement okay now we have to jump now with that thought okay when sin only needs sin only needs a human to be birthed into a world into a situation into reality it only needs a human to be birthed into it once that sin is birthed in it does not need that human anymore okay and let me just kind of work with it uh, um I hope I say this the right way. I don't want to offend anybody by the way it comes out. You need a mother to get a baby birthed into this world. Right. Once that baby is birthed into the world, someone mm-hmm. else can take this baby and raise it. Mm-hmm. And it may never ask about, I, and it don't, don't take it that I'm saying that. I'm just, okay. It, yeah, it's just, okay. it's a symbol. It's yeah. a metaphor. And so what, Satan needs is he needs a human to birth a sin, whatever this thing he wants in, whatever it is, he needs a human to birth it into the world. Once it's birthed in here, he doesn't need that human anymore. How many times does somebody come back and say, "I apologize for what I've done here," and it makes no difference? People right. say, "I don't care. Uh, we're getting him. We're gonna get her. We're gonna we're gonna break this thing up." You know now, mm-hmm. when the person that told you. I, I did see, all he needs to do is birth it in here. How many times have you as an individual, years after something has happened, years after you wake up in the middle of the night, early in the morning, you're at work, wherever you are, you're driving, and the thought comes back to you of 20 years ago and you say, My God, had I not done that? Why did I all he had to do is birth this sin into the world and right there he's got you? Now, whenever we get to the book of James and our study, whenever we get there, he answers that question right there of how you fix that. You, mm-hmm. you know, because once you birth it here, it's here. Okay. And he does not need the person that birthed it. He can use anyone then to raise this mess, this sin. And so Jesus touches him. But when Jesus touches him, he takes that sin out of this world out of the equation, if that makes sense. It's no longer a burden to you anymore. It may have to be something you have to deal with, but it no longer can stop you or stop the movement that's going on because he takes it in himself. When sin happens around us, if we are grown enough, mature enough, spiritual enough, wise enough to say, you know what, I'm not gonna pass this thing on that was said, or either, you know what, you hurt me. You did did this and the other. But I, I'm 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 done with it. I'm through with it I'm not gonna hold you accountable I'm not going down the street. I going we're not going on you know I'm I'm gonna smother this sin out right here uh, um, if we get over into that if we can find ourselves in that one then then we don't become perpetual perpetuators of the sin and the problems that keep running around us because we're saying you know what this thing hurt me but I'm not I'm not gonna pass it on you stand up for somebody who got tripped up. But you know that's not who they are. And so you walk with them through that journey. So I'm not going to expose them. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Uh, um, Then we become, we are becoming what God wants us to do. Not because I took communion, the bread, unleavened bread and the wine on a Sunday morning. But because of the fact that when I saw where you were and I knew you needed covering, I gave you what? You need it. I'm not gonna let them destroy you, you know. Because if if they go after you, they're gonna have to come after me, you, you know. I mean, because that's what God wants us to do. That's how we help each other, you know. But well, I
0: I love it. Um, and I know we're in extra innings here, but I think that this is what you're also talking about. You, you know that I work with prisoners, especially in Louisiana State Penitentiary. Um, sometimes we get the opportunity to write a letter to a parole board saying, you know, we we enthusiastically ask you to release this man. Sometimes we have somebody speak in person at the parole board or through Zoom. We know of several people, members of our safe harbor that are in that prison who did do the deed. The devil used them to create a murder. Now, 30, 40 years later, you look at their record, they have no demerits. They've always obeyed the rules inside because the devil didn't need him now. You know, he already got the murder out there. They've gotten their master's and uh, bachelor's and master's degrees, they've done all this. Then they have to face the family who will say after 30 or 40 years, no, keep him in prison. Many times what I see is I see the devil did use this man, to release his sin into the world. Now, the devil doesn't need him, he's got the family because 30 and 40 years later they're still hating, refusing any mercy or grace, and I get it by the way, I get it, you're under a life sentence too because you, you don't have your son, you don't have your daughter or your father, I get that, but there does come a time where you have to lay it down because the devil is birthing judgment, hatred, vengeance, through you now Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you know there's got to be a time we stop got to be a time we say let the people out let's lower the sentence they've proven themselves to be a different person now Um, but then again we we can talk more about this we're going to close it down today but rather than saying we're done all the way through verse 45 of chapter 1 we may come back to it next week and And fill in some gaps if we think about it. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Rick, for being mm-hmm. a part of this. I'm really having a good time. I hope you That's are too..